Hello, my soul-seeking friends. It's Shanna. Thank you so much for listening to Sense of Soul podcast. Enlightening conversations with like-minded souls from around the world, sharing their journey of finding their light within, turning pain into purpose, and awakening to their true sense of soul. If you like what you hear, show me some love and rate, like, and subscribe. And consider becoming a Sense of Soul Patreon member, where you will get ad-free episodes, monthly circles, and much more. Now go grab your coffee, open your mind, heart, and soul. It's time to awaken. Hey, how you doing, listeners? So glad you're with me today. If you haven't, leave me a review and a five-star rating. I really would appreciate it. On today's episode, we have Lindsay Eastburn. She is an author and board-certified hypnotherapist. She has been helping people for over 20 years globally in their pre-pregnancy and pregnancy journeys. Lindsay is the founder and creator of Hypno Fertility and owns her own private practice and training facility called Hypno Fertility International. Through her work in hypnosis, Lindsay helps bring balance to the spiritual and physical worlds and guides babies to their mothers. Hypno Fertility is an innovative program created to help those struggling with infertility. Lindsay's joining us to tell us how she was guided to this work and also to tell us about her book, Waiting in the Wings, Introducing the Pink Starlights. And I can't wait to talk about this. I love talking about babies and children. So please welcome Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I am good. I'm Shanna. Nice to meet you. Hi, nice to meet you too. I have a daughter named Lindsay and I spell her name L-Y-N-Z-E-E. Oh my gosh, that's really close because I've never seen anyone with L-Y-N-S-I, but that's really close. It is. And I also saw that you're in Colorado. I am too. I'm over in Aurora. Oh, you are? I'm in Brighton. Oh, okay. Not far. Not too far. My little grandbaby's in Highlands Ranch, so I drive that way. (laughs) Oh, are you from here? No, but I've been here for 20, oh my gosh, four years almost. How about you? Yeah, no, I grew up here. I've been here for 40 years. Wow, you don't look old Ah. enough to be 40. (laughs) Thank you. No, I came here in second grade, so I'm from New Orleans. How cool is that? I love New Orleans. Really neat, magical place. Yeah, yeah. I'm from Toronto originally. Well, I've got Cajun in me, so I definitely have some Canadian roots. Yeah. Right. Yeah. (laughs) I was listening to some of your podcasts, which are fantastic. And I was listening, you actually talk kind of about that with, uh, what was her name? Carrie Hummingbird. Oh, I love Carrie Hummingbird. She's neat. Yeah, that was really enjoyable. Like your podcasts are fantastic. So Thank thank you. Thank you. So I have a client, he and his wife have been trying to get pregnant for over the past year. And it's really been a struggle for them. And yeah. so I saw you come along and I, then I saw you were in Denver. I was like, oh, I'm going to definitely have to connect you guys. So I'm excited to talk about that. And I have four kids and three of them are adult, one's 11, but thinking about things are so different now. I mean, when I was 22, when I had my first child, I mean, that was like so normal. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't wait to be a mother. And yeah, that's kind of like what I thought life was about. So it's very interesting, you know, now looking at like my daughter, who's 24, who's not even thinking about being a mother yet. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's true. I was 20 when I had my first one. So I totally get it. Wanted to be a mom. Yeah. My son is 33 having his babies. So yeah, they're, they're a lot, uh, it's a lot later these days, isn't it? And he's not, I guess he's relatively early considering my clients are average of like 45 years old. I know it's amazing. And you do have a different energy, but I think kids kind of keep you a little bit more on the energetic side. I mean, my youngest is there's 15 years apart, my oldest and youngest. So huge gap, but she's kept me young. She's like my breath of fresh air. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Oh my gosh, for sure. I know I have the grandbaby now, but it doesn't feel like a grandbaby. You know, I don't think of myself as grandma when I'm with them. I, you know what I mean? Like, it's just baby. He's just one of my babies. Oh my God. My cousin just, she just had another grandbaby. And she always tells me that she's like, 
it's so different, but you are just going to love him so much, just like another one of your kids. You know, it's true. And I never, people always said that, right? I wasn't attached to having grandkids, so I didn't pester my kids or anything. Yeah. But I'm like, wow, they were right. And just like they were, they were right about how fast our kids grow up. Oh, right. Yeah. So Those they people. <laughs> Who are these they people? And why are they so wise? Sometimes they're wise. Exactly. <laughs> no, but you know, it's interesting too, because I was a different parent with my older kids because they're a different generation even. Sure. I was definitely a helicopter mom. I mean, oh my God, it was ridiculous. But my youngest, I, I was more awakened, more present, you know, just more letting her lead me rather than planning her entire life. And it's just such a different dynamic. And I was a little bit more present when I was pregnant for her, but with the other ones, you know, I did love to be pregnant. I've always loved to, I mean, I, I would be almost sad when they left me, you know, cause yeah. it was like here, they were safe. I could feel them. I remember still having that rock after I had them. And I'm like, wait, there's no baby in here. I don't know what I'm rocking anymore. <laughs> yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. But that's so huge. Cause I've had women who've never been around babies who are wanting to have a baby and don't realize that, you know, I had one client, she's like, I don't even know what to do with the baby. I had this birthing doll in my office to show like how it comes, you know, through the pelvis and so forth. And I took the doll and I wrapped it in a blanket and I handed it to her and she started doing this. Never held a baby before. And I go, look at you. And she's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. It's it's Yeah, it is. I just talked to a woman who she's not a mother, but yet the way that she teaches and mm-hmm. the way that she, her intention is so very genuine and nurturing. And I kept on feeling like that mother love from her or that big sister. And I even told her that. And so even if you don't have children, you know, we're still, it's still innate in us. Oh yeah. Oh no. Yeah. Oh my gosh. All the divine feminine sacred masculine stuff that's coming up right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and I think that some of the traditions in my family have really molded the mom that I am. I'm a mom. I mean, when it comes down to it, I, th- I think anyone would say I was a mom first more yeah. than anything else. But honestly, sense of soul is really the first thing I've ever had for myself. And it's also my baby. <laughs> yeah, but it is for sure. Right. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I'm a mom first. That's what drives me. That's why you do this. Yeah. I always want to be a mom like you and really the love that I have for my children is what inspires me and what um, drives me, if you will. You know, as a little child, I was always concerned about women who would want to have babies that wouldn't be able to, and not just any old person, women who really, people who really wanted to have babies that were going to love them and nurture them and be kind to them and support them. I wanted them to have their babies. And it really bothered me that people might not be able to, that they might be struggling with all of that kind of thing. But when I was nine years old, the first uh, so-called test tube baby was born in England. Um, and I was sitting in, in my parents' car in the back seat when the announcement came on the radio. And I just remember it clear as day because I was like, wow, I was listening to what this meant. And I was like, oh my gosh, now the women um, that wanted babies will be able to have them. And I was so relieved and happy. And then of course, eventually I learned that it wasn't that simple, but it is really great that there's that technology and that this is a possibility now that never was once upon a time. And it's interesting, my great aunt, it was so strange back then. So she would be over a hundred years old now if if she were well over a hundred years old now, but if she hadn't been able to have uh, children herself, but she had talked about people who had children they offered her one of their children because they had so many children and it was done. You know, it, it was done at that time. And here I have 12. So, you know, you don't have any, I know it sounds absolutely crazy, but yeah, it's true. I've heard that. Yeah. Yep. And uh, kind of remembered that too, but I felt her sadness about not being able to have one of her own. And we had a lot of very abusive 
backgrounds, especially that side of the family. Her husband was alcoholic as my grandfather was an alcoholic. They beat up their wives and they beat up their kids. And so there was kind of that double-edged sword about wanting to have children, you know, that was there that I think maybe I picked up, you know, as well, you know, really early on, but it is having the love, like there is nothing like being a mother. You know, we have our babies. We talked a little bit about that with your sense of soul podcast being your baby. And we have our babies. Well, it's the same chakra, right? It's the second chakra. It's creation, creativity. And so we have our, our babies. And there are some women that don't, don't feel that they're drawn to have babies in this lifetime. And that's great. They know it. And I'm happy for them if they know it. Because if we don't, if we shouldn't be having them. If we don't want them, then, you know, yeah. we shouldn't be having them. And, and a lot of people had babies back in the day that didn't want them. And what that led to was a lot of trauma, a lot of abuse for children, a lot of trauma. That's not what I wanted to see. So even as a little kid, I was like, oh, I don't want these abusive parents to just have children, but the ones that are truly going to cherish them and love them. And I could not wait to have mine. I had my little baby dolls. I still have dolls, which um, <laughs> my one son is like, those are creepy. And I'm like, no, they're not. I love them. But you know, how uh how sometimes people are about dolls like they are with clowns but you know to me they they um you know they really represent you know that that uh love and that desire and that inspiration that you know babies have always had for me or been to me yeah it's just kind of unraveled or unrolled or come together since then yeah yeah bringing them through you know i know that the love that i have for my children that nothing compares. Mm -hmm. And I've accomplished a lot. I've done a lot, you know, I've used that second chakra, written books and done other things, but my boys are number one. And so when women want to have babies and, and, you know, men as well, but it's very much, um, I work with women and it's very much divine feminine that, that uh, is a part of this. And when they want to have babies and they can't, it's crushing, it's devastating, horrible and women say that they feel broken uh you know they they feel like there's something wrong with them and women tend to take the responsibility for it even if it's a 100 you know male factor even if it has nothing to do with them in some cases a partner has had a vasectomy and you know or something else has gone on with them and it has nothing to do with the woman, but, but she tends to take the responsibility and to take on um, doing the research to see what she wants to do to get some help and also um, beats herself up and, uh, and just, just takes, takes it all on and, and it's so painful. And um, just having my kids is what I know what that means. I know that you know what that means. I know I saw that on your, I guess, on your bio, on your website, that your kids are first. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of this other stuff is wonderful, but still, ultimately, ultimately, it's my kids. And so that is so much why I want, I know what they know that they're missing. I know what they know. And people don't really realize that it, it's already here, even if the baby isn't here physically, the babies are here. So there's just so much, yeah, there's so much that just leads to the whole thing for me. Yeah. It's so scary too, with, you know, you hear results of that maybe COVID might affect fertility as many of the environmental things we're dealing with. I don't know if you knew just even recently, my daughter's school, they pull this head said every, all the elementary schools and daycares should be tested for lead in the water and my daughter had 18 different places in her elementary school that had led, wow. um, you know, so there's all of these things that, you know, and then I'm thinking, okay, well then we should probably have our homes tested as well. Yeah. Um, and they're testing the older schools too, but they have to do that by um, 24, but they have a child with autism. And it just seems like, yeah, environmentally, we're not really taking care of mother earth as we should. Mm -hmm. We're not taking care of our mother. And so now, right. Um, in results, you know, we're having cancers and disease and, you know, viruses 
that are popping up where maybe they wouldn't. I know here in Colorado, Lyme disease went up because now we have more ticks than ever. Um, you know, stuff like that because of the environment. So infertility with COVID is, was terrifying when I heard that because I do have young adults. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. There's so much, I guess that's interwoven. I kind of feel like we wouldn't have ended up with that pandemic had we paid attention because mother earth has been abused and ravaged and yeah, she's had enough. Mm-hmm. She's had enough. And I think if we were paying attention um, and, and we're willing to change things or willing to get on board, some of us are, you know, some of us are aware of that, but not enough. And I think that pandemic had to happen because it turned things upside down in very many ways, very many ways. So not that, you know, I would wish that on, on us or on anyone, but I feel like you know, it absolutely needed to happen. And some people ended up with a lot of time to think, mm-hmm. you know, because we're rushing here and then rushing there and all of this kind of stuff. And then all of a sudden they didn't, they had time to think about maybe what they wanted more in life, which might be family focused as opposed to, um, you know, money focused. But we tend to, we tend to measure success by dollars, you know, mm-hmm. by uh, money, by accomplishments in, in that arena. And so I think we, we got to start to rethink things on a larger scale, which is fantastic. Yeah, I agree. Kind of gave us some space. I know I was very busy before running around. I mean, I probably could have count on my fingers how many times I had not left the house. And then all of a sudden it almost became comfortable, almost too comfortable. (laughs) You know, it was like, okay, now I got to go out. And so, you know, adjusting to that again, and I can see, in my youngest, how much it affected her, you know, socially. She's coming out of it now with time, but, you know, a lot of times, you know, people are, you know, and maybe conspiracy or maybe not, but, you know, the world is overpopulated. That was my first thought, you know, and Mm -hmm. other countries that have tried to control how many children a family can have, which is insane to me, but you, you hear about the problem of population and all of a sudden you have COVID. And then now they say might, you know, have to do with infertility. So it's just interesting to me that. It is. It's, it's interesting times. It's also, you know, natural selection um, that happens, mm-hmm. you know, as being humans. And yeah. I feel like Earth Mother, the same. When, when I started doing this work, people were like, well, why are you doing this? The, the Earth is overpopulated as it is. And it's like, look, <laughs> we need more people these people need to come in. This is, this is part of evolution. And this is part of the way things go because, you know, eventually the people aren't here anymore. And so what I want to do is bring in people to people who will love them and people who will support them and care for them. And then they become the people who are in this world and who are, are doing the things that right now people have done a lot of damage, people in power, power one way or another, because there's so much of that. I call it the God of greed, right? And there's that, there's that power mongering and there's that desire to have and have and have more and more and more and more and more. And they've done a lot of damage. Having um, children come through now that are going to be, you know, have parents who are aware Mm -hmm. and supportive of them and, you know, kind of get it. Then, then we're, you know, helping to create these people to carry on and hopefully reverse or in some way heal the damage that we've done. Yeah. We did it quickly. quickly. Oh, we did a hundred years ago. Look at the differences. I mean, this planet has been around. I don't even know. I can't even, you know, I don't know how many zeros are on, you know, the years, um, the millennia that this planet has been around and oh my gosh, what we've done to it. And I look at, you know, my son, because I was 21, I had him. And there's a lot of similarities just between my life and his in that 20 years. And then all of a sudden, everything just, you know, blew up. And, you know, I can relate to, he can relate to me and then the generation before me and so forth. It's, there's a lot of similarities. And now my younger son picks on me for my handwriting because it's joined together. And he didn't learn cursive. They learned how to print. (laughs) Right. Then we had to go and teach them how to do a signature. Right. And then my Ah. son's like, well, your, your writing's all joined together. (laughs) I know. 
Isn't it's supposed to be it makes it easier to write when you join them together it takes less time but they don't have to they they keyboard right they learned they didn't even learn typing per se they learned keyboarding mm-hmm. in school yeah. so so much difference with them being on online on the computers on the phones all the time COVID certainly didn't help with that because what else in some right. ways were, were that was their social do? life too right and they needed to be yeah. social in some way I know that a lot of people, parents were a little laxed with that because their kids needed to kind of still have communication with their friends. Right, right. And parents still did have to get life done. I mean, they did have to make dinner, they did have to work, they did have to do whatever needed to be done as well, and weren't set up to have kids 24-7. So yeah, so things shifted a lot. I do not want to be a teacher. I used to want to be a teacher when I was younger, but then when it was forced upon me, I was like, oh, no, you guys need to go back to school. <laughs> right, <laughs> right. So ready for them. I feel like these younger generations, though, are quite unique. In fact, my youngest especially. So she would be, um, I think, Gen. Uh, well, I think she's at the end of Gen X or maybe into Gen Alpha is, I think, what they're going to call it. But oh, they keep changing the generations because they're oh, different. Okay. So many of them now. <laughs> Yeah, I know. Right. So, but my older kids, my oldest son's like right at the border of millennial into Gen X, but definitely seems more Gen X, but you know, he did grow up outside still, you know, and, and played and didn't have a cell phone as a child, but it's interesting because I know for myself, I wasn't worried about the climate. Of course, maybe we didn't have to be as worried or maybe Mm -hmm. we weren't. It wasn't in our consciousness anyways, but my youngest, I mean, they're, she's very aware. She knows all about it. She knows about the Willow project. I'm like, what is that? She's educating me when it comes to a lot of the things that we need to be more conscious of and do. Yeah. She's definitely teaching me. She's more in tune when it comes to her intuition, energy, these things. She, it's like, she came here with it, even though, yes, I am her mother, but her yeah. friends are like this too. It's almost like Dolores Cannon had wrote about the three waves, you know, and being star seated in here to help humanity, which we desperately need help mm-hmm. for humanity and for mother earth. And so, I mean, I think it's a great idea to help conscious parents or conscious people who want to have children mm-hmm. help help seed them. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Because there's, there's some of the things that we struggle with on this planet. We shouldn't be, there's no reason people should be hungry. Mm-hmm. You know, there's no reason. Um, there just isn't. There just isn't or but, even right now. Sometimes right. It's like, how is this happening? It's 2023. And yet yeah. we're allowing that to happen. Um, I would say well, the past does yeah. not agree. <laughs> No, I mean, in half, yeah, well, half of, which might be better than, than before, but I mean, I think half of the people at least are still like not awake or aware. And uh, cause I'm amazed that there's just this lack of logic or reason. There's so much fear that runs everything. And we are, I guess, um, I guess we're built to be fearful to be afraid and yeah, keeps the, the species though, right? alive and then but now there's no reason uh most of the reasons for it we've created mm-hmm. and you know now and now we just have so much of this this envy this jealousy this this need to um control um the patriarchy uh is crashing it needs to crash and um a lot of what's happening right now is designed for this and it's not we it's not against men right it's it's um it's the out of balance masculine yes. right we have our we all have our feminine and our masculine out of balance feminine is horrible too it just isn't running things right now it's the it's you know we've been oh my gosh we've been controlled and oppressed and so forth by this um out of balance patriarchy for so long and it has to crash but you can feel it holding on for dear life you know just like clawing and trying to claw its way um up or back and wow. and this is part of the great stuff with the people the new babies and and those that are coming through is 
they're coming in more balanced and they're coming in um, more aware and, and they're bringing the awareness, you know, when we're in spirit, yes. we can, we can see these things. We know what's what, but then we come into our bodies and we lose a lot of that. So that's why we end up uh, going through some form of an awakening. Whereas a lot of these kids are not going to need, you right. know, to have yeah. that reactivated. They'll, they'll remember a lot of it. Lot, it's so true. I mean, my youngest has been my greatest teacher. She has been one of the most important pieces of my awakening in my journey. And she came here with that. You know, I remember this is no joke at nine months old. I told this story before because it was so shocking. Nine months old, I'm holding her, I'm rocking her and feeding her. And I had just gotten off the phone with my grandmother, my momma. We have momas in Louisiana. <laughs> and she had Alzheimer's. And she was in the hospital, but she was asking me all the right questions about my baby. You know, is she eating good and all the things? And I thought that, you know, she, she knew what she was talking about. So I thought she knew who I was. And as she gave the phone to my cousin, she goes, I don't know who that was, but she sure is nice. And I just, I'm holding, I, you know, I got off the phone with her and I'm holding my little one. And I, I'm just crying, you know, because I, I missed my mom and, you know, and Kensley, my little one looks up at me, puts her hand on me and she scrunches up her little forehead and looked right through my soul. She was concerned. She was experiencing empathy. She knew what I was experiencing and she pierced her eyes through my soul. I remember even sitting up in the rocking chair and like looking around going, does anyone see this? Like <laughs> she, she's empathizing with me. She's nine months old. I knew then, but she's not the only one, you know, that are coming in and her generation, they're coming in this way. Right. We've had to pave the way for that. The Indigo children, for example, which I found out way late in life that I was one which makes perfect sense that I kind of resisted it for the longest time, just because I felt like people were throwing that word around, you know, like we do, we, we throw something into the vernacular and then, you know, the weather's bipolar or somebody is psycho. And, you know, so I, the way I saw, I saw indigos, people were using that word to say that their kids didn't behave. So they were indigos. So much of that is the parent. It's, it's like, I'm sorry, but kids need structure. And, you know, if you can't get your child to bed, then it's you. We see the pendulum swing a lot. Mm. It'll go all the way one way to another way. So kids were abused. Kids were, um, there was a time when anybody could hit your kid. Yeah. Somebody else's parent could hit you. Yeah, you go into the store and, Dude, and get, yeah. Aurora, my ex-husband, he got paddled at Aurora Hills Middle School. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, I'm sure. When I moved down to Georgia, when my oldest was five, they said, well, we have corporal punishment in the schools and we need you to sign a permission. <laughs> I'm like, what? What? <laughs> you know, when I was a kid, we definitely had the teachers hitting us with the rulers and, you know, over the knuckles or, or, but going to the principal's office um, every so often. But even before that, like, I remember when my dad would talk about, you know, you go into the, into the store and here you are, you're probably five years old and you're running down to the store to buy your parents some cigarettes. Oh, totally. <laughs> and, I know. And then you did something wrong and somebody smacks you and then, you, if you told and you get smacked again, because you must've done something wrong for that other adult to smack you. Yeah. And which is terrible that whole children should be seen and not heard. Then we, we swung and then we started letting the kids control everything. Mm -hmm. And that that's not good either. It, little tiny brains, you know, these little kids are coming in, their brains aren't developed. They're not ready to be in charge. Sure. Right. Kids need to test boundaries. They need to, you know, develop who they are. But if we let them be in charge of everything, they just can't. And so that was kind of my um, aversion to the indigo thing. And then later on, I learned about what it was from the spiritual standpoint. And the interesting thing is that people, you know, my age are calling their kids indigos you know 25 years ago and it's like but no they weren't the indigos weren't even coming through at that point where there were a few of them maybe left but they started coming through in like the 60s mm -hmm. and you know if not some of them maybe before that but mostly you know in the 60s to start breaking down this whole disaster that we've created with this out of balance patriarchy 
And so that's been something that is that has been having to change in the last you know couple of decades. When I got to my son, my 33-year-old, when he went to Regis University, and, and when I went there with him as the parent for the orientation, we got a book that was, you know, three inches thick on how not to be a helicopter parent. I I kid you not. Oh, wow. But they were having such trouble and kids were suiciding when they were going out of the area to go to college and just couldn't cope. They just couldn't cope. I feel like that's happening now because you can tell the systems are breaking and it's just, there's just freaking chaos because it's not balanced out yet. You know, it's very obvious that the divine feminine is rising you know, mm-hmm. coming to the consciousness of so many people, it's, it's hard to deny just the fact that we can speak up and use our voice and, and take on many different roles, not just, you know, the one barefoot and pregnant in the kitchen, right. which, you know, I look at my daughter and I'm like, wow, she's so strong. Like you said, they're going to have to do less of the awakening in the work than the generations before. And I also look at like my mom who was like, she's looking at everything going, yeah, this is awesome. You go girl. (laughs) Knowing that they didn't have that voice. Right. No, absolutely. And these kids, they're coming through more awake and aware, but they're going to have work to do, but they're going to be doing it from a different perspective, you know, and that's why they're, they're choosing parents who are going to be supportive, you know, who are going to be um, supportive of education. If that's what you want, supportive of, you know, taking Reiki, if that's what you want, even though, you know, I, I um, initiated, my son was five when I initiated him into level one Reiki yeah. Um, my baby, I got my my Reiki master level attunement when I was pregnant with him. And so he came through as a Reiki master. Um, but you weren't seeing as much of that then. And now this is becoming more and more and more um, common. And people are more and more supportive of it. So imagine trying to do, well, they'd have podcasts, but some kind of show 30 years ago, even um, 40 years ago about, you know, this kind of thing. And now people get it and and people are interested in it instead of wanting to, you know, handcuff you and throw you in a dungeon. Now they're really um, interested and excited about it, which is, which is great. Not not everybody, but we're seeing more and more of it. And this is just so huge when you consider how many, you know, thousands of years, this would not be, you know, would not have been acceptable. What is the world going to look like when it does have alignment and balance, you know, probably as it should, but, you know, we've been living in this almost like solar plexus, (laughs) you know, with all of this ego and dominance and power and control and materialism and more, more, more. And now even I see men you know, I have men all the time on this podcast that instead of when they're talking about God will say she, Mm -hmm. and I'm like, oh my gosh, what did you just say? (laughs) Even Neil Donald Walsh did that. It was like, that's huge. Like common sense sets in after the conditions start to shrink and think, how can we think creation could happen without a mother? Right, right. Well, Joseph Campbell, I like his blurb about the bachelor God. He calls Yahweh the bachelor God. He's the only one. There's no female. They try to just remove the female. It's all just been manipulated to control us, to control the masses. You know, we we used to be, there used to be a matriarchy. The women, Venus of Willendorf and all of those goddesses are, you know, 25,000 years old. You know, Christianity is 2000 or so years old. You know, they found these goddesses under, you know, in the hearth. They worship women because they thought that we gave life, which, hey, we do. But once they realized that men had a a part in it, all of a sudden they just started to, you know, it was like it started to spiral with women being demoted, if you will, and just treated you know, less and less, but you go to Peru. I went to Peru a couple of years ago. It's just fantastic. And it's a, it's a motherland and it is worshiped as mother. Mother. 
And, you know, the, those that are there, they still, it's still very goddess focused and very feminine energy wise, but it's also that poor country is a mess as well. Look at how we treat mother earth. Yeah. Put her aside, took her for granted. Yeah. And now we have to come into balance, right? You can't just, you know, ignore and abuse something and think that it's going to thrive and you know benefit the rest of the collective so i think that's interesting but you know i i love the story of lilith i don't know do you know that story yes and i had on a rabbi who we really talked a lot about it and he was like come on shan i need you to redeem lilith because i mean growing up as rabbi and and knowing the stories of lilith she was so demonized I mean, or never heard of, I mean, I had never heard of, and I grew up Catholic and Christian and, and she was blamed for the deaths of many stillborn babies for thousands of years. Hey listeners. So sorry for the interruption. I'd like to tell you about uncovering the mysteries of Kabbalah, an amazing opportunity to be mentored by one of sense of souls affiliates. Rabbi Matthew Ponak. If you've listened to my prior episodes with him, then you know he has a ton of wisdom to share and is offering Sense of Soul listeners a special discount to take a deep and personalized dive into Kabbalah and the unfolding of your own personal journey. If you're interested, go to matthewponak.com backslash Sense of Soul. That's M-A-T-T-H-E-W-P-O-N-A-K.com backslash sense of soul to learn more and sign up now back to our amazing guest so yeah like are we reclaiming the power for even all those before us and the stories and narratives that have been told right absolutely and i love joseph campbell's you know mythologies and mythologists people aren't aware of that and I mean, he died in the 80s. I mean, he died before I realized he was alive, which is just such a bummer. <laughs> I wished I could have gone to Sarah Lawrence College and been able to be one of his students. But he talks about, you know, mythology and uh, religion. And, and there's nowhere else in the world that there is this single God without this balance. Right. And the universe is that divine, feminine, sacred, masculine. It is, you know, male, female. And he talks about the virgin story. He's like, this isn't new there's lots of yeah. stories about the virgin birth throughout mythology throughout different cultures. And so we, yeah. yeah that's why there, there's this need for people to like not look outside of whatever their belief system is supposed to be either they're afraid to and also they're they're expected not not to i know when i lived in georgia that was culture shock for me moving from canada down to georgia yeah and um it was just like, wow, I, I, I just couldn't believe it. But they were proactive. I'll tell you, they were proactive in those churches to say that the yin yang symbol is evil. And if you see it, you know, and, and they, anything, you know, if somebody tells you about Reiki or anything, they were proactive about it. You didn't even stand a chance. And it was kind of funny for me because I've been like this for pretty much ever. And my son's five years old. He's going to vacation Bible school, telling people how you can do Reiki and and heal with crystals and all that stuff. And in Georgia, in Georgia, in oh, and not yeah. right in Atlanta either. Like, you know, back in, in toward more of a rural area as well. It was it was really interesting. But then in a place like that, you also find the energies that are coming up to balance. You know, Georgia has been, you know, the deep south type of thing uh, has been very, I guess you could say, behind in some ways or a lot of ways. Holding on desperately. Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's kind of what you're seeing. It's it's that energy is what the big energy is that's trying to not um to not crash but it will it's going to it is and that's what part of these babies that are coming through is to is to change a lot of that but it's like i met lots of witches and you know goddess women and shamans when i lived in georgia yeah so they were there holding the space yeah they were there too and and that was you know that was fabulous that is fabulous. And it's interesting, the things that are kind of going on in Georgia right now. Yeah. So Lindsay, let me ask you about pink starlights. These are the babies that we're talking about, right? Right. right. What an important purpose you've come in with 
Um, I mean, I, I, I think it's absolutely inspiring and, and important, but yeah, it's quite the purpose. Yeah. I, you know, apparently I knew this when I came in because I had my baby, you know, my, my focus or whatever it was. And then, yeah, I ended up in Reiki. Then I decided I would do hypnosis because I thought that would be a nice compliment. Then that took over my life <laughs> and everything kind of fell into place. It was like, I had to end up in Colorado because it was a hub for, um, you know, fertility treatment. A couple of the biggest clinics in the world. Oh, were really? Right I didn't know that. That's really yeah. good. Okay. Yeah. And so there was, there was that energy that was here that was about fertility and started to see people for that. And I always believed the spirit baby aspect and what would happen is women would say, I, I know there's a baby there. I just know it, but they told me I was 0% chance. And I, I would just feel like I believe you and I would work from there. And I stuck a lot with the science, the art and science of hypnosis back then. Um, the spiritual aspect was there, but maybe, you know, more in the background, if you will. I mean, it depends how you look at hypnosis because it can right. kind of be considered yeah. woo-woo or fringe too, but, but it continued to evolve more and more where the babies were taking more space and they were kind of in charge of things. And now I always say my clients are the babies, not the moms. I mean, that's one of the coolest things as a practitioner, I've gone through like a few full term clients mm-hmm. with Reiki and there's two separate energies, two auras. It's amazing to me. One client, when she had her baby, I had such a connection with that baby. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I was like, this is oh, amazing. Yeah. This baby knows me. <laughs> they do. I know they, they know me. And it's so funny because, you know, just to see it, my clients will meet me um, on zoom and they used to come into my office, but I don't have an office these days, but, um, so I'll see them on zoom and I'll see the baby and the baby. Yeah. They recognize me. It, yeah. I love to give Reiki to ba- to unborn babies. It's like one of my favorite things to do. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. And I'll tell you, these babies really do like Reiki. Mm-hmm. I've sent, you know, I did Reiki. I do Reiki, I suppose, but I don't do it as a practice. Mm-hmm. Um, it's part of who I am. It's part of my energy, but I have sent people to Reiki. You know, I've said, have you done Reiki? Have you had a Reiki session? Have you maybe done a Reiki one attunement? Because really the babies really like it and it really does help them to align. Oh, and that, that is, um, and I guess that was something my son taught me with, because Reiki kind of got dropped into my lap right around the time when he had come through as a spirit baby telling me he was coming through, even though I wasn't even supposed to have this second child and all of these things came together and the pink starlights, well, they're just at a different level. They're just different. There's lots of, well, you know, there's all spirit babies and all children, but they're different. They have different purposes. One of the big things is to, to elevate compassion mm. in the world because that is so huge. We need that first and foremost. And they chose pink because it's the color of unconditional love. They chose starlight because it's it's light on such a brilliant level, such bright light. And we're needing to bring more light into the world. Mm-hmm. And so they sort of hijacked my practice in my life because I need to help them to be recognized, to connect with their parents, and even to uh, connect on a much broader scale because the light, the babies are trying to come through, but as they show me the energy is bottlenecking. Mm-hmm. So they're, you know, they're trying to come through, but then they're bottlenecking and we need more light on the planet for them so that we can bring more of them in. So light workers are beginning to build more light, even like natural light workers or people who know that they're light workers. Well, and then people. Right. And then people have come through as light workers and maybe haven't become aware. Now they're becoming aware and they're helping to hold light. So yeah. I'm awakening the people so they could be awakened. And so you can awaken their babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bring them you know, that's perfect. exactly it. I talk about this initiation process. So um, my clients are average of about 45 years old. Mm-hmm. I don't buy into, you know, the age thing or any of that. But one thing is that people that are having pink starlights tend to go through a difficult time and it may be fertility related. Usually it is, but there's other things as well. And I call it the initiation and this leads them to explore more. So even if they're a spiritual person to start with, even if they're, you know, an intuitive or, you know, maybe they're in the healing arts field somehow, 
struggling with infertility takes them to a new level, um, to, to studying on a different level, to awakening, to be able to accept even more, to be able to hold even more light. And without the infertility struggle as the catalyst, they may not have gotten there. And they really want it. So, you know, no doubt, are they going to ever bring in um, a kid that doesn't have a very specific purpose? Probably. I love this. And then, you know, I mean, I'm just curious, like when did these pink starlight seeds start to come in? Because I know for myself and another um, QHHT therapist who I've had her on my podcast. She's fantastic. I, I have the most craziest, amazing session with her. Her son is my daughter's exact age. They both we were like freaking out all the time. and like, oh my God, my kid does that exact thing. But like they both came into the world seeing auras. I mean, it's never even been a question for Kinsley to see an aura. She doesn't think it's weird because she's never known anything and we've never pretended it was weird. So she does. She's right. always seen spirit. She's very clairvoyant. It has premonitions all the time. She has seen every single one of my journeys before I have. It's, it's, it's truly amazing and has left hints for me every time along the way. So although I didn't have an issue on um, having her or, you know, go through fertility mm-hmm. things, what's interesting is that I did not she's my love child. <laughs> she was, she does a different father than my other three. And she, you know, I mean, it was not planned whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. It's not always a fertility struggle, but it, there is a lot of that. And then, you know, different people, certain people have this part of their purpose and they're aware of their light or they're in the process of, okay. you know, awakening. I hate that word anymore. Cause they've really, messed yeah, I know. <laughs> You know, you used to talk about that way back and all of a sudden people are yeah. fighting over the, that word and versions of that word. And, but it's true. I it's mean, true. It, is, it is waking. You know, we, we have that, I call it the, our gathering time, you know, we start to become aware and then we start to gather, we start to look into things and we start to research and we start to gather and then we begin to unfold uh, more and more. But when did the pink well, starlights? The pink starlights themselves made themselves known to me by that name in 2016. Okay. okay. Before that, there was really no, you know, we have indigos and crystals and rainbows and so forth. And you hear about star seeds and that's not really my thing to be splitting them into particular cohorts other than recognizing the indigo piece for myself. So I work with them as spare babies and it really didn't matter. And then in 2016, they came through and they said, basically, like, we are our own cohort we are our own species, if you will, and we have our own purpose and we need you to get that information out there. And so that's when I started with the pink starlight part. And that's when I wrote their book. I started writing it. They downloaded it to me in 2016. Then I kept sort of changing the things that they wanted to include or there there were things that we needed to wait for. Yeah. So four years to write that book. And finally I said, okay, guys, um, we have to get this out here. I'll write you another book if you want, but I can't keep doing this. We're going to be in another um, generation. Right. We're (laughs) never going to be, we're never. Yeah. And so it's called waiting in the wings, introducing the pink starlights. And that's, so that's my purpose at this point is to get their message out, their purpose out there. And, you know, babies, all babies, of course, are loved and wanted and cherished by a larger power, if not by, you know, their individual circumstances, but all babies and spear babies are love and are, you know, and so the pink starlights just have their own version of this. And so, you know, you saw the crystals for a long time there. It's like the crystals. So the indigos came in and and they had to really like, they had to be tough and they had to, you know, start bashing these things down, breaking down these paradigms. And then the crystals were able to come in more psychic, a softer type of energies. And, and then, you know, there's all sorts of various levels of spirit baby. I don't know, you could call it lore almost, but the pink starlights themselves, it's not that they didn't come through before, but it's like, you know, you kind of always have some scouts. You have some that start to come through. And I would say they're probably around, I would say probably around 12 years that they've been coming through as pink starlights and uh, maybe 13 years or so. 
And then it was more and more, let's emphasize this now. We need to let parents know who we are. We need to let teachers who are dealing with us know we need, I shouldn't say dealing with us. I don't really like that term either, but you know, teachers who are teaching us and recognize something about us, grandparents, like my little grandson is a pink starlight. And, and that has been just an amazing journey. And he's been in touch with me long before he came through. And, uh, and he helps me bring in babies and he's nine months old now, but when he was, I started uh, watching him once a week because I really want to have that, you know, relationship connection with him. It's an hour drive for me. He's going to teach you. Oh, he does. Absolutely. And a friend of mine, that's an astrologer. I had her do his chart as soon as he was born and I could just, I could hear it. I'm like, he's going to have his moon in Pisces at the 29th degree. And I kept hearing this over and over. I don't know that much about astrology, but I do know that is very powerful aspect. And sure enough, I could hear her voice in my head. And sure enough, that's what he ended up with. Wow. And um, which matches, I have Chiron in Pisces at the 29th degree, which I guess is a very powerful sign and matches up with his. Like it's a very powerful aspect, I guess, as far as working with what I do. And so she's like, oh, he's going to be working with you. So I'm kind of thinking, you know, as he grows up, but no, I start babysitting him and, you know, he's a few weeks old and he's, he's sitting with me and I'm like, do you want to, um, do you remember when you were pink starlight or not when you were pink starlight, but do you remember before you were in your body and, and grandma and you used to fly and his little arms and legs would just like go like crazy. And he, he was always smiling, like right from the beginning. Then I started to sort of play with it. And I would always do Reiki when I got there. And he always loved to have Reiki and I would seal the room and things like that. And then I would say, let's go bring in some pink starlights. And then I would mention my clients, like some of my clients, I say, let's go get Susie's baby and let's go get Fred's baby. And let's, you know, and he would, and we would do these little meditations together and, and bring them through, which was really, really cool and fun. And so this is just a whole other level of this journey, you know, for me and, and, you know, my, my astrologer friend, Karen, she says, well, you're, you're his people. Uh, you and your husband are, are the evolved ones because, you know, you come through and you're around a lot of people that aren't evolved yeah. and, or aren't at the level that you need. And so you guys will be able to help him with, you know, and this is why, you know, this is the same thing with my clients is they need that level of evolution or openness or receptivity, at least for those babies to move forward or move through. And then these babies are also teaching others as they get here, but they, you know, it's a matter of getting here. So it's, it's really quite an intricate design how all of this is coming through and unfolding it's brilliant because they're even going to have to the systems are going to have to change to meet their needs they don't learn the same they're not interested in the same things i mean my daughter literally had a conversation with me it was very valid she's like why do i need the 13 years of math i don't think i need that many years of it and i was like that's such a valid point Right. Well, the one thing about math, and I wish I had known this when I was a kid, is that it develops certain parts of your brain. And one thing I think with these, these babies is they're super, super intelligent, you know, they're supreme healers. And, um, and yeah, it may, it may be in some cases like wasteful for them because they already know all of this stuff. And then again, it may also in some cases be necessary to keep that brain exercised in a way that we don't know or don't realize can be effective. And you see that music piece and the music and the math overlap. And I think there's a, there's a lot of music that needs to come through. So I think that math piece maybe helps to support that as well, but certainly they learn quickly and they're aware and they're aware of things and they're going to ask so many questions. Like yeah, they've been asked so many, but they'll have answers for you too. I know. I mean, they're so wicked intelligent. Unfortunately, Kinsley kind of likes animals more than she does people, but, <laughs> and trees and nature and all the things, but she doesn't even understand the stupidity of the, and the ignorance of my generation and before, mm-hmm. and would never play with it. And, and, and I just see that they're going to change the world. I mean, they are, but they need to be supported by conscious parents Absolutely. in order to be able to thrive and, and do that successfully. So what you're doing is amazing. And I have the perfect clients for you. 
And actually it's her husband who is my client who has been receiving Reiki for years, who fully understands the importance of what we're talking about. And to see them struggle with fertility breaks my heart too. And I've been trying to, you know, help him energetically from my place. Right. And such a huge piece is the male aspect, (laughs) you know? Yeah, we do. We need these, these fathers that are, I mean, I tend to work a lot with women, but the men tend to be in that connection as well. And oftentimes they're there. And a lot of the men, uh, my clients will say is, oh, my husband is so, you know, he's supportive and he's so easygoing and he just trusts and he just knows. And so it's, it's them in the sense that are getting to a certain level. It's really fascinating, but yes, we do need these aware parents, moms and dads, and we need a balance of divine feminine and sacred masculine. And does not need to be, it doesn't matter about gender or any of that it matters of the more people we have with that balance the more the planet is able to have that balance and this is an awakening in the sense that when i don't think there's anything worse that you can struggle with i mean there's a lot of issues but fertility i mean that is biological as well as spiritual it's in the soul as well it's as in the drive within the body because it is from an evolutionary standpoint, it is about the survival of the species. So if people know that they don't want children, that that's fine. That's great. You know, that's amazing. Like I, I absolutely commend them for recognizing that, but then people that really do truly want them. And I feel like if you want a baby, you know, there's a baby there. That's why, that's why you have that connection because there's lots of people that just don't want babies right now I mean I know people who don't want babies I'm not looking to have a baby right now so people who want to have babies typically there's a reason for that there's going to be a baby there on some level absolutely and it's time to see if people are going to you know take whatever next step so what is that step say like my friend and his wife you know, I mean, whether it's him or her or both or whatever, what is, what does this process look like with you? Well, certainly the step well, to work with me, I work with hypnosis and I'm a, an intuitive empath. So I connect with the babies and help them connect and help align the energies so that the babies can get through. And sometimes that might be needing to cleanse something from the subconscious, some blocks, some old patterns. A lot of it is energetic alignment, brain balance. A lot of it is mind, body, spirit balance in terms of people a lot of times are just stuck in this world. Like they, this is not the only part of our existence, right? You know, in fact, the body part or the world part that we're in is about the, you know, the head of a pencil, the tip of a pencil, and the rest of it is the rest of the pencil. And we're not always acknowledging that, aware of that, integrating that. And so that's a lot of the work that I do to help people. Feel set basically is to, is to bring those babies in. My goodness, this is so fascinating. I love this. I'm so glad that we finally connected. <laughs> yeah, no, me and too. that you're here. Is there any way you can like send me some of your cards? So that I can give them out when I run into this. I just had another client too. Thank God she had been holding on to eggs for so long. And then she just finally had a baby and she's very spiritual as well. And, you know, she just knew she, this was the time. And even though she doesn't have a partner, she knew this was the time. This is it. So I'm so happy for her too. And I love to crochet for babies. I can't do anything (laughs) like that. When my kids were little and we were in school and they had to do any kind of craft projects, I had to farm it out. I had to find somebody that I knew help me. I would have been the one. My kids had great projects because I did most of my poor children. (laughs) You know, Lindsay, I just think what you're doing is so important and I love it so much. I've never heard anything like this before. Hypnofertility. I created hypnofertility. I sometimes will, I guess, specify it or or qualify it by calling it three keys. It's based on the three keys to conception that I received in meditation before my second son came through, the one that was the catalyst for the whole spirit baby aspect of, you know, my purpose, or at least waking me up to that part of the purpose. And so basically that is my method. Um, And then, yeah, the pink starlight work, and they have now created an attunement process that I do 
with clients for that that's similar to Reiki, um, for lack of a better way to explain it. Yeah. And the pink starlights themselves come through and align the parents' energies that way, which is quite fascinating. And I don't do it. I mean, I facilitate it. I set up the layout that that the pink starlights want and hold the space for it. And yeah, it's uh, that they started downloading to me in December. And so that's something I've been, you know, working with and integrating. And it's just incredible. It's just so powerful. I've seen that too. Like I just had on Raja Ma. She is the founder of Kali Key Reiki. And so it's the divine feminine Reiki. And it's oh. so amazing. You talked about this, that it wasn't created here in this dimension. You know right. what I mean? Not that she knows that for a fact, but... Yeah she's pretty sure like in another dimension, they're doing this work and that this is something that is being established and being brought into our dimension, into our consciousness to, to use. It's a little bit more feminine. Which is helping us to bring this light in because we really have, you know, it's, it's dense and dark um, in the, around the earth energy, even though earth mother would not be considered i mean i guess you could consider her that in the fact of being very earthy but not dark and dense in a in a smothering kind of way i mean all of these things are trying to bring us more light we need more light so that we can have starlight children i wish i could give you more i can't But you can, and you you are by doing this podcast and having these guests on, inspiring people and and people, you know, to hear these things. And I mean, I was just listening to one of your episodes um, a little while before we connected, and I was it just inspired me, and I was feeling, you know, that that uh, reinforcement of excitement and you know enthusiasm, and oh yes, right, right, yes, 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 because even though we do the work and we help others, we need to have that uh, reinforcement. And so many people are really looking to hear, which is kind of a blend of senses, isn't it? But they are looking for something (laughs) that they need to hear. And uh, this is very much a part of the three keys, which one of the keys being listen. And so meditate, which would include listening to these types of podcasts or walking in nature, soaking in the bath, not necessarily official meditation, but going within, hugging a tree, doing hypnosis, you know, Reiki, whatever that would be, which enables them to listen and to better listen and to truly hear the intuition, you know, spirit the babies, the light, all that is there. And then to trust it, to trust, meditate, listen, trust. And it doesn't matter what order, trust, meditate, listen, you know, it doesn't make any difference. It's circular, which is again, divine feminine. Mm -hmm. And this could be, you know, your mantra. I mean, I got it from my spirit baby son when he was still a spirit baby before he came through. I didn't even really connect it to three keys to conception, but that is what that is, but also it is all of life. If we practice those three keys, so much healing, so much expansion, so much light. And I'm seeing that expanding. I keep on saying, don't forget mother earth. She is too, you know, trying to birth this divine light, you know, really, truly. And she just, yeah, she holds it. She is of it, but we just need more to help hold the the new level, that expansion, that transformation, that transcendence, you know, whatever you want to call it, that's occurring. And that is going to balance, not swing too far in any other direction, but actually help us with balance. And these babies are, are so huge, um, a part of this. Wow. You've just brought me so much hope today. Thank you so much, Lindsay. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. And I do like getting a chance to be the hope. I really, I really do like that because I, I find so many people are feeling short on hope these days. Yeah. Lots of reasons to feel that way. But yes, we do need to stay more within the light and just that energy actually is going to get us through. So with more of that pink light, I'm going to start bringing in some more pink light. I like it. Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) I always liked pink. Well, I just appreciate you so much coming on. You've been just a blessing. Can you tell everybody where they can find you? 
probably easiest my website which is hypnofertility.com um the pink starlights insisted they have their own domain name so if you want to go straight onto the website it's the same website but they have their own domain name pinkstarlights.com you can go straight to their page Love it. and you know instagram and facebook yeah. and then also but i am gonna i am doing a free two-hour uh, intro to hypnofertility workshop and um i will be actually doing some hypnosis but it will be it will be available at a later date also you know, I always record these things so people can catch the replay because you know how it, how it goes trying to put in dates and, you, you know, can't fit everybody. And then time zones is another thing because my oh, practice is global. Sorry. So I'm always trying to do time zones. And, but it will be if people, um, even if people hear about it long after today, there'll be a replay. So they can always do that if I don't happen to have anyone up and coming. Well, thanks so much for answering your call and for, you know, doing the work. Thank you. Thank you so much to you. So, so glad you developed this podcast on top of all the wonderful things that you're doing. Thank you. Nice to meet you, Lindsay. I'll talk to you soon. You too. Thank you. Thanks for listening to sense of soul podcast. And thanks to our special guests for joining me. If you want more of sense of soul, check out my website at www.mysenseofsoul.com where you can work with me one-on-one or help support Sense of Soul podcast by donating to my coffee fund. Thanks for listening.